0: And fake news and clickbait and deception. I'll give you just one example. I was told that March 21st was the first day of spring. <laughs> Whoever said that lied. They lied to me, right? Not only did we get, what was it, like nine inches of snow here after that, but it is not warm out there today. I don't know if you've noticed, right? Um, And so as a result, we as people have learned to be wary of anything that sounds too good to be true. And anything that lines up too neatly with our own biases, our own ideological preferences, uh, we start to get a little bit skeptical, or maybe a lot. And that, by the way, is a perfectly rational response to the era in which we live. To have a healthy dose of skepticism about anything that sounds too good to be true. Uh, But, I think the other side of that is, is that we can sometimes run the risk of becoming a little bit overly skeptical, a little bit jaded, a little bit cynical, and we miss out on some of the joy that God intends for us to experience and enjoy. Because here at Easter what we are celebrating is literally the most wildly implausible, incredible, fantastic news that has ever been heard anywhere, and it is absolutely, completely, unalterably true that a man really was... The Son of God in the flesh really did die in our place for sin and really was raised up from the grave. It really did happen. And though it sounds too, be, too good to be true, it actually is the case that our wildest hopes and dreams have all come true. That we are not going to die and rot in the tomb that there is coming a day when we too will be raised from the dead and our biggest fear, that of death, has been conquered and our wildest dreams of life in heaven are ours through faith in the one who has risen from the dead. Those things are not only possible, those are real. Those are real things that we really lay hold of as we put our trust in Jesus. And so... For the next few minutes, I just want to spend some time looking with you again at some of the stories from that first Easter morning. uh, Shortly afterward, when the disciples discover, against all their expectation, they did not go to the tomb expecting to find it empty. They went to the tomb just like you would expect if you went to go visit the, the grave of one of your loved ones, to find the person still there. But when they get to Jesus' tomb, it's empty. They discovered that death is dead and Jesus is alive. And so I want to, if you got your Bible there, turn, uh, turn with me over to John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, we have some actually back by the door and uh, you can grab any one of those uh, on the way on your way out, and take it home with you. We'll be happy to let you keep that. But look at some of these. Look at some of these verses here with me. We'll look at the whole chapter of John chapter twenty here in the, just a few minutes. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went, came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran, and she Now picture this scene for a minute. Jesus died on Friday afternoon. Uh, Friday evening was the beginning of the Sabbath, so there was just barely enough time to take His body to wrap it in linen and lay it in the grave near the crucifixion spot uh, before the Sabbath began. The Sabbath began on Friday night. And he, His body lay there. Uh, they sealed it up and put it under guard on... Uh, on Friday night, it stayed there all day Saturday. Saturday night, the Sabbath ended, but it was already dark by then. So Mary and the, and the other women have come Sunday. She's the only one highlighted, but she says, notice what she says, we. So there's obviously some other folks who were with her. Um. They go very early Sunday morning to finish preparing Jesus' body for an honorable burial. But when she gets there, not only is the seal broken, the stone is gone away from the tomb, and so is the body. And so she runs off to tell Peter and John that John is the disciple who wrote this Gospel. He's not, he never names himself. He calls himself the other disciple or the disciple Jesus loved all the way throughout, but he never gives his own name. And the the three of them all head back to the tomb, and by then it's daylight, and they can all see. No, the body's gone. And it doesn't make any sense, because the grave clothes are all still there. And somebody has taken the time to fold up the cloth that goes over the head. Which, again, makes no sense. If you're a grave robber, you take the whole bundle and go. Not least because if you have have seen Jesus' body depicted, you know, His whole back is flayed open from the whip, and He's got blood running down His face from the thorns and the beatings. He's got piercings at His wrists and feet. To pick this body up is going to be a mess. So you're going to pick it up in what it's wrapped in if you're a tomb robber. This makes no sense. Where's Jesus' body? Who would want the body of a condemned and crucified man? And who would go to the trouble of breaking in to get it and then take it naked from the tomb? This makes no sense. And who would fold up the face cloth and set it off by itself? A grave robbery is the only explanation that makes any sense to Peter, but none of the facts seem to fit with that. John writes, he says, he saw and believed, but he didn't understand how it could happen. And they're both confused. Because as the scripture here says, they didn't yet understand what the Old Testament was trying to tell them and what Jesus was trying to tell them himself about the resurrection. They believed that the tomb was empty. They couldn't understand why. They didn't see that the, yet that the grave was empty, not to let Jesus' body out, but to show the world that He rose. But they're just about to find that out because Jesus is not dead. He's alive. Look at the text again. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept... She stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid Him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to My brothers and say to them, I am ascending to My Father and your Father, to My God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And then He said these things to her. On the evening of that first day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When He said this, I love this section of Scripture, this whole section, because this is where the disciples who have no reason, none, to believe that Jesus is alive come to believe one by one that Jesus is alive, that He has conquered death, and that He has returned to them. The resurrection is real. And it is so far beyond their hopes, they can't even understand it or or, or how it happened at first. And yet, true and real is exactly what it is. These three little stories uh, the one with Mary, the one with the Twelve, and then later with all of the Twelve, including Thomas, uh, are three of just are three of eleven different appearances that Jesus made that are recorded in Scripture uh, in the New Testament. 11 different times, Jesus appeared to one person or to multiple people. At one time, He appeared to over 500 people at once. And these are people who did not expect that He was going to rise from the dead. That's something that the Scriptures, in fact, emphasize over and over to underline the point that this is not confirmation bias here. This is not a mass hallucination. These are people who believed Jesus was dead because they watched Him die. And because they knew from long experience that the Romans were professionals at putting people to death. And on top of that, these are guys who are hiding out. They're probably in the upper room. It says where they were inside with the doors locked. They're probably in the upper room, probably at John Mark's parents' house. Uh... He was from a wealthy family, and they had a a, a big upper room on the top floor of their house. And they're probably all gathered there. They've got the doors locked, and they're hiding out. Why are they hiding out? Because the leader of the band has just gotten executed for conspiracy against Rome. For being an enemy of the Roman Empire. And they are all convinced, not for no reason, that they might be next. And so they're all hiding out. And as they're hiding out, Jesus appears. He appears first to Mary. She gets there later. You know, she, I, I don't know how old she was, but she gets there sometime after Peter and John have left. They had a foot race to the tomb. They get there. And they go home. And then Mary gets there. And she is in tears the whole time because... All she can think is somebody has run off with the body and now I don't, even get, I don't even get to bury him. I don't even have any place that I can find to even go visit anymore. What's going on? And she looks in and she sees these two guys sitting in there. She later realizes they must be angels. But well, they ask her, why are you crying? And she's like, well, because they took the Lord away from me and I don't know where he is. And then she turns around and she sees a man. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever had like snot crying, you know, where you've got just fluid everywhere and you're just kind of a hot mess, right? And, um,. And you, you you can't see, and you don't know what's going on. And of course, she has again no expectation that Jesus is alive. And he speaks to her, and says, "Why are you weeping?" She says, "They took the Lord away." And it, and she says, she thinks he's the groundskeeper for the cemetery. <laughs> he's like, if you put him somewhere, just tell me where you put him. I'll I'll take him. I'll. You know, I'll, I'll deal with it. Where'd you put him? And then he speaks her name. Mary. And all of a sudden she recognizes it's the Lord. And I got to, I, I, you know, the text doesn't directly say this, but Jesus in his response, I think, indicates that she grabs hold of him. That she's probably just flings her arms around him. The word Rabboni is Aramaic. It means my teacher. My teacher. My Lord. The one I've been following. And Jesus says, Don't hold on to me. I've got I've got other things for you to do. You've got a job. You need to go tell the disciples that I'm. I have risen from the dead, that I'm ascending to the Father. Go tell them. So she goes, she runs off to tell them. And they don't believe it. They're hanging out in this room, and Jesus appears right in front of them. I don't know what Jesus' resurrection body is like, but I hope I get that ability, right? To just appear in a room. That would be so cool. Right, um, he has a, a body that can eat. And you see that at the at the end of John. If you Keep reading this gospel. Uh, but he, so he's not a ghost. It's a real body. But he somehow is able to materialize in front of them, in the middle of the room when all the doors are locked and the windows are shut. In other words, he didn't crawl in from somewhere. He just appeared. And he greets them all, and they believe he really is risen, just like Mary said, except for Thomas, who's not there. He says to Thomas, and Thomas says, "You know what? look, I understand, but I've been around you guys. You know, some of you are fishermen. You guys are known to you know, tell a, a, a story or two, right? Um, I'm not believing it until until I can stick my finger where the wounds were, I'm not believing it. So about eight days later, Jesus shows up again. Same place. Thomas is there. And He says, Thomas, hey, come here. i got to show you something. You want to see the nails? There's where they were. Right here, right here. How about the side? You want to see that? You know... Men like to see scars and tell stories about how they got them, right? And, and Thomas sees and believes. But Jesus encourages him. He says, look, I'm glad you've believed because you've seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Guess who Jesus is talking to there? Talking to you and me. Have we seen Jesus risen from the dead? No. But we have heard reliable testimony. And we know that that testimony is true because we have encountered Jesus personally. We have met Him through the Scriptures. We have put our trust in Him and He has, just as He gave to the disciples, given us the Holy Spirit as well to dwell within us and to remind us that Jesus is alive. That the resurrection is true And Jesus' words are an an invitation to us, to every person, to believe, not because we have seen, but to believe and then see that Jesus is alive. In fact, John writes in verses 30 and 31 here at the end of the chapter that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in His name. Jesus really did die. He was really dead. But He really did rise. And there's a lot of evidence for the fact that He rose the fact that the tomb was empty, that Jesus was raised, and again, over 500 people saw Jesus alive at one time. It was not just the disciples, it was many, many people who saw Jesus alive at once. We don't have descriptions of every single one of the things that Jesus said and did then as John tells us, but we have enough to know, in fact, more than enough to know, that what Jesus invites us to do, to believe, even though we have not seen, to trust the evidence that we have, and to enter into new life and enjoy it in Jesus' name. We have more than enough evidence that Jesus has been raised. And if Jesus has been raised, then the Bible is true. And God has kept His Word and sin is conquered and eliminated on our behalf and we have an eternal home awaiting us away from this broken world and in a new world where death is dead, where where sin is defeated, where every tear will be wiped away, where there will be no more death or mourning or crying anymore because the old order of things has passed away. And we will dwell in eternity with God in the presence of the Savior. We have more than enough evidence for that. And John tells us, look, all of these things that I have written to you in the previous 20 chapters are to tell you that Jesus is who he claims to be and that and I'm telling you about this, these accounts of the resurrection to, t- to, to show you and to certify to you that Jesus is who He claims to be, that He is the Messiah, that He is not dead, that He is alive, and that He gives new life to all who believe in Him. Now I know many of you here in the room have, have done that. In fact, many of you have walked with Jesus longer than I have even been alive. But if today you have come here this morning and you've have come maybe out of respect for a family member who asked you to come maybe you've come out of tradition that well I always go to church on Easter Sunday and by the way they had pancakes at this church so I came for that and you know maybe I don't know what reason you came this morning but here's what I do know. That we celebrate not, not out of tradition, not out of uh, some sort of cultural hangover that we all have from some old, old uh, uh, system of belief that nobody really holds to anymore, but because Jesus is alive, that He dwells within those who follow Him and He gives what He promises new life. He gives it immediately now and He ensures that in eternity that all the things that are mentioned in the Scripture about the new life will be one day ours. That we really will walk with Him in the place where the streets are made of gold. And that we will worship Him around the throne with the heavenly host of all of the angels and all of those who have put their trust in Jesus, that all of that really will happen. We believe that. And we believe that because the tomb is empty because Jesus is alive. And if you have not believed that yet, I invite you to do that today. Let today be the day where you experience that new life for the first time. That you might celebrate with us, not a tradition, but a reality, that He is risen indeed. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank You that the grave will not have the final word. That for those who put Our trust in Jesus Christ, death is swallowed up in victory and we can shout over it, O death, where is Your victory? O death, where is Your sting? It's gone. It has been stripped away in the death and resurrection of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that if anyone is here today and has not put their trust in You, Or maybe they have wandered away from You for a long time. That today would be the day You'd be calling them home. And they would hear Your voice and believe in the empty tomb and the risen Savior and the new life that He offers to all who believe in Him. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.